But up first, one of the busiest people in the country is joining us to talk through a few massive topics currently dominating his daily agenda, certainly, and and taking a lot of space up in our day-to-day as well. Very pleased to have with us once again, Health Minister Adrian Dix is on the line. Thanks for doing this. Hey, good morning, Jody. I want to start with the breaking story. We just heard from Richard Zussman with regard to the NHL and Vancouver becoming a hub city. And there's been a lot of buzz around this, of course, without any uh, confirmation from the league. We did get uh, that intel from you and from uh, uh, health officer, uh, Dr. Bonnie Henry, with regard to what the parameters were around this. And at, at one point, we were getting the the perspective that the NHL was willing to not just step up to our parameters, but exceed them. What's changed there? Well, um, it's up to the NHL to make its decision, right? For and sure. We, we've been very clear that they have to meet our parameters and, and we want them to come both. Right. But one, mm-hmm. uh, but we're not going to uh, change our approach. And Dr. Henry has been clear about it. The premier has been clear about it. I've been clear about it. Um, I think I think our case, personally, without any knowledge of the NHL, and as a sports fan, I've had lots of views about the NHL over the years, which I have left unexpressed publicly. But it's up to them, right? But I would say our case is strong in this sense, that yesterday we announced 14 new cases of COVID-19 in BC, 14. Uh, in Washington State, they announced um, something north of uh, 600, I think. Um, California set records of new cases. Nevada has set records of new cases. Florida set records of new cases. Arizona set records of new cases. So our strong case for COVID-19, something that the NHL, um, I think, should consider, is the record, the public health record here in BC to date. And we can't, one can't extrapolate that that it will be that way forever or that will uh, succeed forever. But if they're interested in having a place that has high standards, which they'd want to meet and which they can meet, and they want the highest possible level of safety, then they should consider British Columbia, and I hope they do. But what... It, was there something that changed? Was it the protocol that was coming into play if a player tested positive for COVID-19? Because we have seen, I mean, Austin Matthews is test positive for COVID-19. We've got yesterday's news that not in the hockey league, but the Toronto Blue Jays have had players and administrative staff test positive for COVID-19. So what what my understanding is, and please correct me if I'm wrong, is that if Vancouver were to become a hub city and teams were to come here, not with their families, just the players and coaching staff and the, and the trim down admin staff needed to take part, they would move as a bubble. The, the piece that seems to have changed things, and again, I'm, I'm looking for that information because I'm, I'm not 100% on this. It is a breaking and developing story as far as we're concerned. Is it the protocol that, that, that comes into play when or if a member of any organization, any NHL team tests positive, they would then have to go into uh, 14-day quarantine here. Is that correct? Well, uh, the, that we would not, there's no guarantees in advance of what happens if an outbreak occurs with any business. And right. you'll recall, we've had a number of businesses, um, and most of them have done just an excellent job once those breaks have occurred. So I'm not going to mention their names, but I'll mention what the kinds of things they do. We have a major shipping business that had, and distributing business that had uh, an issue in their office, and there was an outbreak there. And in that case, I believe, the office briefly closed. In the case of, um, an, uh, of uh, some food businesses, um, they briefly closed 
when outbreaks occurred. As we got control of the situation, we did the contract tracing, we did all the work that needs to be done. So these are done on a case-by-case basis by public health. And the same would apply to the activities of the National Hockey League, right? So they're not, in that sense, any different than the produce distributors or the frozen fruits distributors or the poultry, uh, the, the poultry um, um, places that have had outbreaks. You know, and that's the responsibility of public health. So we have to assess each situation as it comes in the public interest and for the safety of the people involved, including the players, including the staff, including everybody else. So there's no guarantee in advance of how one responds because we'll have to review the evidence in every single case. So I'm not sure whether that's an issue between the National Hockey League and us. I know that the proposals that were provided to us were reviewed by Dr. Henry and uh, and Dr. Henry and Premier Horgan sent a letter to the government of Canada, which was managing this issue, and um, and you know we made it pretty clear our approach. And my my message, my only message to the NHL would be, and to anyone else, is that um, you want high standards. It's a worldwide pandemic. There were more cases on Sunday in the world than there has been at any time in uh, in the time of the pandemic. This is a serious situation that we're dealing with, and it's important that we resume economic activity, but that we resume it safely. And here in BC, that is our focus, to have economic activity and to do it safely. And what we have been doing uh, with your leadership and that of Dr. Bonnie Henry has very much been working. So if I could summarize sort of what I think you were laying out there is that the NHL needs to understand that if there was all of a sudden an outbreak within a hub here in in British Columbia while they were playing, it would be dealt with as a public health issue, as a public health outbreak, then could be pressed pause or shut down completely depending on the level of the spread. Well, and and we would work with them as we work with all other businesses to do so. You know, we want them to come. And I think it's a good thing if they come. But um, what we're not going to do for their safety, for their interest and anyone else's, is to uh, compromise the public health values that have taken us this far. You know, we shut down in terms of of limiting activity in the economy fewer businesses than just about any jurisdiction in Canada, I believe. Right? Construction never stopped. Other industries never stopped. But we worked with those industries to see that they'd function safely. And that approach has been our approach. And that would, and it's no different with the NHL than anyone else. And I think it's really important in these times because we're, we're looking at five, six, seven, eight, nine months ahead that we've got to continue to do the things we're doing, continue to do the physical distancing and the staying home where they're sick and everything else. That's a minimum. It may well yes. be 18, 20 months. We, we've got to have rules that people understand, that they can follow, and we've got to do this for the long term. And, uh, and if we do that, we can do what we did yesterday, which was uh, have the premier announce phase three. And, so, and that's our approach with the, with, uh, that would be our approach with the National Hockey League as well. And I'm, I'm very optimistic that um, what we have to offer the NHL is something that's um, that's really powerful, and something they should consider. And uh, I have no uh, say and no uh, understanding of what they'll do when they choose their hub city. And I know that uh, they're looking at a number of cities in Canada and North America. But I think what we have to offer, which is um, which is 
a more flattened curve than many places is uh, a pretty strong offer. No question. I, I'm going to sound like a complete homer here, but if I was a, an NHL player anywhere in North America and I was given a choice, uh, certainly Vancouver would be the top of my list. Let's pause here momentarily. Quick break. And on the other side, we continue our conversation and discuss further uh, phase three with Health Minister Adrian Dix. I'm Jody Vance. In for Mike Smith. Jody Vance in for Mike Smith this week. We're t- continuing our chat with Health Minister Adrian Dix. And if you've got a question for the minister, give me an email, Jody at cknw.com. That's J-O-D-Y at cknw.com. I do want to talk more about phase three, but I just quickly want to get an update from you. It was uh, one week ago when you first heard of allegations of racism in our emergency rooms. Uh, minister Dix, any idea when we might get an update from uh, Mary Ellen Terpel-Lafon on the investigation there? I, I think in the next uh, short while, we'll be publishing uh, the terms of reference in the next uh, day or so. Uh, and um, uh, Mary Ellen Terpelifon will be speaking to that. She's obviously been working uh, hard on this with us to establish, you know, both the resources she'll need and her terms of reference. And you'll uh, expect that within a, a short period of time. For people listening right now who may have information and be uh, fearful stepping forward given some issues being a whistleblower in the past with regard to making these reports, what do you say to them? Uh, I say that whistleblowers will be protected, that we take uh, this issue very seriously. These issues were uh, brought to my attention a week ago, uh, last Thursday, last Thursday evening, and I reviewed them with the Deputy Minister of Health, Steve Brown, and we decided that uh, this uh, fact-finding was critical, that it was important that we needed a person who had uh, the credibility of a Mary Ellen Terpelefant to do that, and uh, and uh, she stepped forward, and I'm, I'm both grateful to her and, and hopeful that this process will... Uh, will uh, make things better for everybody. And that's that's really our intention. Um, uh, uh, systemic racism and racism is never acceptable. And it's very always very important, though, to establish fact and to take action. And in addition to what Mary Ellen Terpel-Lafon is doing, we are we spent most of last weekend meeting with uh, different groups, including in Indigenous communities, to uh, engage on these questions. Say, what can we do as in addition to all of the initiatives that are being undertaken now? We are partners in healthcare with First Nations. Uh, what can we do now to assess this and to respond to what will be an issue of public confidence? Judy, you'll remember, because you've been following the, the briefings we give, I re- frequently have briefed on the number of people who come to emergency rooms. Yes. And that number was approximately 6,600 on May the 9th before the we the pandemic was essentially announced for the World Health Organization, and then a whole bunch of measures came forward, 6,600. On April 5th, it was 2,990. And one of the reasons why it was less than half wasn't because people were less sick on April 6th than they were on March the 9th, but their level of fear about going into the hospital was higher. And we made a lot of efforts to welcome people back and say, you can come if you are if you need to be in an emergency room, please come to the emergency room. Well, yes. for many Indigenous people who I've spoken to, they feel that every day, right? Every right. day. Yeah. And so yeah. we have to take steps to address this. And and we, we've got to do it in, in a way that's um, serious and based on evidence and fact and uh, and makes things better for everybody. And that's what we're trying to do. And these are very difficult questions, but they have to be dealt with. They have to be dealt with seriously. And that's why we've taken the action we've taken. 
We will look forward to that update from uh, Mary Ellen Terpel Lafond. I want to move to a uh, phase three. We are getting a couple of questions. I just um, received one. Tao me like is the name that comes up, uh, who says, Minister Dix, please loudly remind British Columbians that long distance non-professional driving is 700 times more dangerous than flying. The roads are going to be very busy this summer. So please encourage safe driving as we are opening up to phase three and perhaps exploring our province the way we have never done before with limitations on where we can actually go. That's a great reminder, isn't it? It is. And, and, you know, one of the things we've We've really studied and will be studying this period of pandemic uh, um, a great deal. And one of the one of the small advantages of the period was that there was less, uh, obviously, fewer traffic accidents, less traffic on the road, and therefore fewer fewer yes. accidents. But your yeah. your your uh, listener is quite correct that it's very important in these times that we remember what it's like when there are a lot of people on the road and to be really safe in these times because this is. Um, this is a time when people are when people are out uh, in wilderness or uh, camping to be very careful about forest fires this year and about uh, the potential of starting those. People have to take extra precautions because um, you know when you're in the midst of uh, a worldwide pandemic, it's important to limit uh, other negative things that can go on. And I think if we all treat ourselves respectfully, we can have. Uh, an unusual summer, a different summer, a new normal, but hopefully a good summer as well. We actually have a camping expert coming on just after the 930 News to give some tips on how to be truly safe as we explore beautiful British Columbia. Lorraine is asking this question. She sent an email to Jody at cknw.com. Hi, Jody. Can you please ask when family members will be able to see their loved ones in long-term care homes? I've not seen my mom in person since March 14th. Thank you, Lorraine. Yeah, I know this affects uh, tens of thousands of people around BC. It affects uh, me and my family, and I think it affects your family as well, uh, Jody. Without being, without no, being, it's okay. uh, Personal about that, um, but but it's a very personal issue for everybody. And we know that limiting visits in long-term care, and for, this was true on day one. It was true in April, and it's true now. Is a huge loss for people. And it's a huge part. We we don't just have to continue to live. We've got to live well and as best we can under difficult circumstances, especially uh, when our bodies sometimes fail us. And so the visits are important for people's health. We know this. And so how do we do that safely? Because, you know, if there are 30,000 people in publicly funded long-term care and say it's one person per resident, right, visiting, that's 30,000 more people in our long-term care homes. And we have to establish and set put in place rules and protocols that are that that can make that happen that's what we've been working on and in some cases resources if you go into a long-term care home generally today there isn't any extra resources required to deal with visitors generally Mm. uh, before before COVID-19 I should say you had fairly free access if you were visiting people in hospital unless they were in ICU or something you could go to their room Right, you yeah, go at the yeah. front, find out their room, and go there. And so we didn't devote a lot of effort to that. Visitors were seen as a positive, and they are uh-huh. a huge positive. So we're going to have to set in place uh, rules and protocols that keep people protected. There are currently 35 people at Holy Family in Vancouver. It's a care home that's an outstanding care home. It's Providence Healthcare, one of the best nonprofit health providers in North America. And yet there are 35 cases of COVID-19 in that care home. And so that's what happens when it gets in there. And the difference between long-term care and any other outbreak, 
whether it involves a business like the NHL or anyone else, is that um, uh, people, the likelihood of people uh, passing away from COVID-19 is high. And so we're balancing those things. The risk is just too great. The, yeah. the risk is high, but we have yeah. to do the visits. We have to get it done. And, and I want your listener to know that um, much of um, what I'm doing and what Dr. Henry's doing and what our whole team is doing is working on this issue because it's that important. And, we, and you know, um, people in long-term care, uh, you know, the, the visits are a central part of their lives. And not having visits also hurts their health and the health of the people visiting. And so, so you're you're are, going to keep us posted. Yes, please do keep us well, posted on this. This is the question we're getting more often than not. Unfortunately, I'm up against the clock here on, oh, on the okay. network. Oh, okay. Sorry so. about that. I was going uh, no, on. I, about, sorry about that. I could I could definitely speak with you for another full segment. I really do appreciate you uh, taking the time in your busy schedule, Minister Dix. You are always available to us, and we appreciate that very, very much. Thank you. Hey, right on. Take care, Jody. Talk to you soon. Jody Vance in for Mike Smith. Fun topic here as we talk about phase three of our COVID-19 pandemic plan in British Columbia opening up so you can now travel around the province without feeling guilty. There are a few things that you need to be mindful of, not overwhelming small communities, certainly taking everything that you might need with regard to groceries and whatnot with you into uh, the smaller communities so you're not using up their supplies. And and a lot of people considering going camping right now uh, might be like me who grew up in a, in a family where my mom famously would say my idea of camping is a martini by the pool. I love to camp. I enjoy being the great unwashed in the great outdoors. But you learn very quickly what you don't know when you head out camping, camping without proper preparation. And that's why we bring in Sam Waddington, uh, owner of Mount Waddington's Outdoors. Sam, thanks for being with us. Yeah, not a worry. My pleasure. So I want to start with things that you don't realize you need when you go camping. What What are the uh, must-haves on the Sam Waddington list of things to take to the great outdoors? Yeah, well, I mean, as you've said, you know, it looks different for, for everyone. But, um, but I mean, the reality is that uh, that to have a good time, for, for me, it, uh, it requires... Um, you know, it requires just not being worried about what happens if, you know, if things go wrong. So obviously you want to bring some stuff that you're going to have fun with, whether you're hiking in or driving to a campsite, those sorts of things. Like make sure you're just having, um, you know, having yourself a, a good time, bring some of the comforts from home, bring the things that, uh, that you want to do a good book, relax, try to put away the phone and, and tablet and that sort of thing and, and actually tune into what's happening. But um, but, but to do that, I mean, there's just a couple of things and I don't think people need to get overly concerned about it, but to bring things like bear spray, um, basically anywhere in British Columbia, that's a good idea to toss a whistle on your backpack, bring a little first aid kit, you know, those things yeah. where it doesn't have to be a major issue if you have them <laughs> and it turns into a major issue if you do not have them. And that's kind of, right. we, we call that the 10 essentials. Um, you know, folks can look that up and, and tons of different resources out there, but yeah, just everything from kind of sun and bug protection, first aid, a little bit of exposure stuff, bring some water and food. And I mean, you know, those, once you have those handled, then, then everything else can be a little bit more fun and, and you don't have to think about it. Because we're pretty hardy. We can rough it to a certain degree. But I went camping once. I checked the weather and it looked like it was going to be fine, maybe, maybe partly cloudy. I headed up camping and I didn't take a tarp and it poured 
the entire time. Yeah. I was very, very wet, but I was fine, but I wasn't happy. Um, so now I always travel with a tarp. But the bug spray is another big one because when you're living in, you know, maybe Metro Vancouver and all of a sudden you, you head up just to Skagit Valley and you're absolutely in mosquito country. Yeah. Well, and, and the challenge too is, um, you know, we, we do some guided, uh, some guided stuff as well. And, and in the Alpine, everything happens fast, right? So, um, so by Alpine, I mean like everything kind of above tree line, but those seasons are so short in British Columbia. The snow is just leaving the Alpine right now, and it'll be coming back with dustings overnight in September. So to think about packing in all nine months of spring, summer, and fall into three months, that's what's happening up there. So the weather can change really fast. The bugs will hatch today. They'll be horrible mm-hmm. for today, and then they'll be gone tomorrow. So, so you never really know, even if you're an avid outdoors person, when you're going to hit those hatch windows or when you're going to, you know, go from a, a you know, a, a cool day where you need a, a long sleeve on in the mountains to you're in shorts and a t-shirt and it's super hot and sunny. So, so just making sure that you're prepared for the variety of things that are going to be out there. But, but that's the beauty as well about uh, about being out there, right? And as you've said. You know, the right gear goes a long way. So stringing up a tarp so that if it's raining, you're having a good time or, or bringing some protection so that if it's, you know, 40 degrees out, um, yeah. you're not withering away inside of your inside of your sweaty tent. You know, you could you can string up a tarp. You can have some shade. Um, yeah, you can you can enjoy the process. And um, and I mean, it's British Columbia is just so phenomenal for everything to do with the backcountry. Um, as residents here, it's almost like we're obligated to go enjoy it properly because everyone else in the world dreams of living in a place like we do. Indeed. Uh, we've only got 30 seconds left here, Sam, but I want you to let our listener uh, know what what you need to do with regard to leaving nothing behind. How do you put out that fire if a fire is allowed in your area and, and, and taking with you what you brought into that campsite? Because that's a big issue even prior to a pandemic. Yeah, exactly. So a couple of things to be aware of. Obviously, garbage you know, needs to be handled. So bring a Ziploc bag or a garbage bag. Some of the large freezer Ziplocs work great as garbage bags for the backcountry. Take out everything. Um, you know, you don't want to find it when you go into the backcountry and no one following you wants to find your garbage either. And uh, and it just makes it more beautiful. And if you do have a fire, make sure it is out. Make sure it's out. Get in there with water. Put it out. Move the ashes around. Make sure, make sure it's out because uh, our uh, our fire crews have better things to do than chase wildfires around British Columbia this year, especially with everything else uh, going on. We can the least we can do, but uh, shouldn't deter people from getting outside and enjoying things in their own right. Sam, thanks for doing this. I appreciate your expertise on this front. Absolutely, go have some fun out there. See you later. Hey there, Jody Vance in for Mike Smith. It is time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, BC Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News, joining us as he always does for the next two segments. Uh, Second segment, your calls, your questions for Keith. But first, I get my chance. Uh, Good to talk to you as always. Always good to be here, Jody. Let's uh, get into phase three. Uh, Mm -hmm. We're opening up... uh, and, and really a, a cautionary tale in moving forward, but really it, it kind of feels good for so many, especially ahead of a long weekend, thinking, okay, now we can actually move around the province without feeling guilty. Yeah, it's more a psychological move more than anything else. It's, I think so many people in this pandemic have been literally waiting for governments to say yay or nay, give the red light or yellow light or, or green light on, on doing things, resuming activities. And 
people have bought into a strategy. And so phase three doesn't look radically different than phase two, um, it, because phase three doesn't un, undo orders or anything like that. It just changes the advice and the guidelines. So hotels and resorts are being invited to open up, even though a number of hotels and resorts opened up weeks ago. Whistler's been open yeah. for some time. Um, a couple major hotels in Victoria have been open for, for at least a week or so. So it's more advice to, to, to people to get out and get going and, and you know, enjoy the province, uh, visit some towns, um, you know, do a road trip. But again, with the cautionary advice, don't overwhelm communities. Um, and, and, you know, if need be, bring your provisions into these small towns rather than relying on their supply chain. Uh, and make sure you're welcome where you're going. And phone ahead to make sure you're aware of all the conditions. But uh, nevertheless, the advice is to sort of get out there and enjoy the summer. And the caveat is clear and the caution is real. We're opening up, quote unquote, opening up our ability to move around more. Mm-hmm. But with all of the very strict um, yep. mandates, like not, it's it's not a, a matter of, okay, well, now we can just wash our hands just a little bit less and we can kind of be a little bit closer to other people nope. at a campsite. And it's not any of that, right, Keith? Nope. Like this is, this is important. And that has to be, that can be stressed enough. And that's what Dr. Bonnie Henry has been stressing at her briefings is, um, you the basic tenets of public health or rules and guidelines going forward are not going to change for a long time. And that is the rule to keep your physical distance from each other two meters apart. That is the rule of high sanitation standards, including wash your, your, washing your hands as much as you can and thoroughly. And uh, no mass gatherings of more than 50 people. And that doesn't mean 49 is a safe number. It just, you know, it's 50. And... Uh, the advice is to have as small a bubble as you can, certainly larger than it was back in March and April, but not suddenly you're not hanging around 40 people all the time. You have to maintain your social distance. You have to continue to behave in smaller bubbles, smaller contacts, but slightly expanded than what we were a, a week or so ago, but not a great expansion. And that's basically, we're in phase three now. Phase three um, is going to be with us a long time. We're not going to phase four. Uh, for a long time, not until a, a, a um, treatment has been found or a vaccine has been not only uh, manufactured, not only discovered, but manufactured and distributed on a mass basis. And that could be a year to 18 months. So who knows? I mean, there's some estimates that we may never get a, a vaccine uh, and we'll have to adapt to live with this virus in, in different ways. But we're now in phase three and phase three is with us for the foreseeable future. And being in phase three and what Dr. Bonnie Henry was saying yesterday, the importance of contact tracing and contact tracers mm-hmm. being the reason why our bubbles are, are, are being kept tight to that 65% of contact is so that we can identify the people we've been around if someone was at test case positive. So we can... Yep. Right, put the lid on it. Yes, and that's and that's why you're being asked if you go to a restaurant. Um, you're one of your party is being asked to leave a, a contact number, uh, a number or an email, so they can follow up. And just in case there's an outbreak, they can track people who've been near that uh, that source of that outbreak. And that's and, the, and public health is compiling this information. It's going to be a huge data uh, database. Um, but it's for, for public health purposes. Dr. Bonnie Henry has, I think, more than 500 people right now at work uh, contact tracing. And every, every person who tests positive, there is a very detailed um, uh, pers- a, a person who interviews that person in very great detail, checking all the contacts that person com- uh, has been in contact with, all the people they've been in contact with uh, for the last 14 days. And that information is being compiled. And so BC right now has a, a phenomenal contact tracing 
uh, network, an organization that's been very busy for many weeks and has really tracked this virus very, I think, um, uh, very impressively. Our numbers stand better than pretty well any number, any other comparable jurisdiction in North America in terms of not only identifying the virus, but containing it and containing the spread. Which is such a big piece of our success in mm-hmm. this pandemic. Uh, I'm going to open the phone lines in the next segment. As mentioned, you can call now and line up 604-280-9898, 604-280-9898, or star 9898 on your cell. Let's talk a little bit about the economics of this. Carol James' uh, big bill that completely tosses the government's three-year fiscal plan out the window, at least three years. Keith, what are we looking at here? Um, the government's three-year fiscal plan was basically tossed aside when this pandemic began. Once they came up with the $5 billion uh, relief package, uh, that turned a tiny $200 million, whatever it was, uh, surplus into a massive deficit. We haven't yeah. got the deficit numbers yet, but it's, it, the, the bill yesterday sets, allows the government to run deficits for the next three years. Uh, for this year and the next two years. Uh, and I suspect they're going to have to amend it uh, at some point. Whoever is the government in a couple of years from now will have to amend it to allow deficits to occur in the next subsequent years as well. It's going to be a long time before any government can get out of this hole that it's, it's, it's by necessity have to, has had to have dug to help people uh, get through this yeah. pandemic. Um, so it's a, it's a sobering uh, reminder yesterday just what an economic catastrophe COVID-19 is, not only for BC. Canada has now, the federal government has now lost its uh, AAA credit rating. I suspect BC is going to be in danger of losing our AAA credit rating as well. All governments are going to be in the same boat. Nobody's an exception here. No one is suddenly going to be able to run a surplus, uh, depth, uh, surplus budget. Um, taxation revenues have completely... Uh, hemorrhage because people aren't spending money, aren't earning money. So many people are unemployed. So it's just a reality that we're in a whole different world when it comes to government economics. Uh, we're still uh, going to be running up huge deficits. And at the end of the day, I don't think it becomes a political issue like it would have been a couple of years ago before the pandemic. Uh, a deficit would have been seen as a, seen as a heinous crime by many people. Now it's just seen as a fait accompli. It's just, that's, again, the, the new normal, which is an overused term, but it probably can't be said enough. A new normal that could go on for 18, 20 months, four years indefinitely. We have no idea where we are at at this point of the pandemic. We do know a little bit more today about the NHL. I wanted to sneak this in before we take a break. Uh, Richard Zussman uh, jumped on with Simi this morning about mm-hmm. what he was hearing with regard to uh, Hub City and Vancouver being on the list. What do you, what do you know on this? Well, I'll just uh, defer to Richard, who's hearing that uh, Vancouver's hit a snag um, on a couple of points. Of um, and, and we're not out of the running yet, but uh, there has been a hiccup on whether or not the bubble of 50 people, how it's defined, whether it can include staff people, uh, has been one area of concern, and a, a couple other areas as well. So again, we're we're still part of the the, the final six, but um, okay. I think we've we've lost perhaps a bit of ground to Edmonton and Toronto. Um, Dr. Bonnie Henry is not going to relax our um, our public health measures to to meet the NHL's demands. But having said that, uh, the COVID nineteen numbers in the United States are absolutely um, uh, horrible, and that includes the cities that are in the running. Is that um, uh, Los Angeles and Chicago and Las Vegas all have terrible? I mean, California is a basket case right now. I mean, who? Why the NHL Players Association would even remotely entertain the idea? 
of exposing their members to what's going on in Los Angeles right now is just it's just unbelievable. Um, the, the other issue, the other sticking point uh, that I think Sportsnet reported yesterday is uh, the protocols that kick in if someone in your bubble, whether it's a player or a staff member, tests positive for, for, for the virus, even yeah. if you're in that quarantine. And so it's uh, different sports leagues are, are behaving differently when they get a positive test, and uh, I think that's a sticking point right now. All right, let's pause there. On the other side, we're taking your calls on Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Global BC Legislative Bureau Chief with us. I'm Jody Vance, in for Mike Smith. Jody Vance in for Mike Smith with Keith Baldry. It is Baldry's Beat. You know, Keith, you were a mainstay at the P&E, right? You're, you've got the P&E in your veins, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, I worked 10 years at the P&E, uh, 10 summers, uh, 10, 10, 10 years as a teenager, and into my early 20s. Also worked Playland. Um, Love it. Probably two seasons, I think, as a teenager, uh, after school, working nights. Uh, fond memories of the place. I think it's an important institution, but sadly, I just think uh, the pandemic has uh, changed the way it can operate. But I got breaking news for you from the PE. This yes. just in. What is it? The PE has announced a drive through celebration for Canada Day with a parade for $10 a car. And then on July 10th, Playland will reopen in phases. First phase will include 12 rides for about $30 a person. We're going to have Shelley Frost, the president of the PE, on later on to, uh, to sort of walk us through all the plans and what can be expected. I love the idea of a, of a parade that we can all take part in, social distancing and, and having well, some fun they, in this difficult time. Yeah, they've had a couple of events, I think. Uh, yeah. Drive-throughs. They had a barbecue. They had the donuts. Uh, very yeah. successful. Uh, I just hope the big roller coaster operates again because I, I maintain... Over the years, that I hold the world record for the most rides on that roller coaster because <laughs> I challenge you, my friend. Well, I if you do the math, a peony yeah. in my day was 17 days. Uh, I worked 10 of them. That's 170 days that I spent working the peony. I would ride the roller coaster at least ooh, at least three times a day, and I rode for free. And I would bribe awesome. the, the ride guys with gifts and, and plush animals and, and uh, prizes <laughs> like that. So I would start the day to wake up. Nothing better to wake up. Uh, you're always tired. You work such long days. Yeah. But you want to get an auxiliary and wake up alarm, go on the roller coaster a couple times, particularly when it's raining. So I figure I've ridden that thing oh, at least 600 times. Okay, you, you got me beat. I had seven <laughs> years of working in radio and being at the booth. At, right. For the radio station for the entire fair. And again, I would be like, I, I need a break from all this. I'm going on the roller coaster. Uh, it's just the best. So we'll look forward to that. More on the P, P&E to come. Let's get to the phone board because it is packed. And I know there are some people with some big questions for you, Keith. So mm-hmm. let's, uh, let's connect with Janice in Vancouver. Welcome to the show. What's your question? Oh, hi. Um, I know we're entering phase three. Um, my mom's been on lockdown for three months. And I know this is a common topic, but... Um, so she hasn't been allowed out. Um, I've been having occasional FaceTime with her. Um, I had to take her to a, an, a hospital appointment that had been postponed. Turns out she has cancer. Um, oh. And I'm wondering, sorry, I'm just wondering okay. if people will, will be able to see our parents. She told me after that it was one of the best days she's had because she was able to get out. And it doesn't make sense to me that I can't see her inside, but I was allowed to pick her up in a taxi and take her to the hospital and be with her with masks on. Mm -hmm. Um, So it kind of doesn't make sense to me. I mean, I'm very happy that I took her to the hospital, but 
um, I was able to do that, and yet I'm not allowed to even see her outside with masks on or anything. Um, you know, she's 90 years old, and it just breaks my heart um, that they're being locked up like this and not allowed out. Yeah, I know this is, sorry to hear this, Janice, it's um it's a very challenging issue, and it's one that comes up constantly when we talk to Dr. Barney Henry and Adrian Dix over here. Um, there's no easy solution. They're working towards a policy. The health authorities are really working on this, trying to figure a way to allow visits to occur without endangering the health of other residents. And that's, the concern is our, healthcare, our long-term care homes are the most vulnerable to the worst outcomes of this virus, which, which is death. And we've seen, you know... Um, the vast majority of the people who've died in BC have died in long-term care homes, and that is the that is the challenge. Is how do you how do you accommodate both interests here, both reconnecting families at the end of end stages of life at the same time protecting people who literally live with those people in a facility that may not be best designed to prevent the spread of the virus. So they're working on it. Bonnie Henry still is maintaining that she hopes we have a policy in place within weeks. So she's talking weeks, not months, and hopefully oh, uh, some solution can yeah. be found. Okay. Thank you for okay. your call, Janice. Thank we, you so much. We absolutely feel uh, the stress that you are feeling. Both Keith, you and I have both talked about how we are in similar situations. I had a FaceTime visit with my mom yesterday, um, 86 years old in a, in a long-term care facility. I mean, there's, and thank God there's no, no COVID virus in that facility. And I just right. cross my fingers every day when I hear from Adrian Dix and Bonnie Henry of another a long-term care facility has been hit with a, with the virus. I just cross my fingers that it's not my mom's place. But unfortunately, Indeed. you certainly don't wish that on, on any place. I mean, we're, we're doing better now. We're, we're, it's it's not showing up in as many care homes as it was at the beginning, because partly because of the single site rule brought in by uh, Bonnie Henry and Adrian Dix, which is workers can only work at one site. But that's not a complete 100% foolproof policy. There are going to be some cracks in it, but the cracks are f- fewer and far between. Right. And we had Minister Dix on off the top of the show and he was talking about the sheer numbers, how they're working on it. But there are 30,000 people in care homes. And that if one person visited each of those people, that would put 30,000 more risk. Yeah. And that's that's the math. It's harsh. Yeah. Going to squeeze in Sharon in Burnaby. Uh, You have a question for Keith? Well, I have two points and a question as well. Um, My first point is that I work in a grocery store and I've been working the whole time. I am 70 and um, my duties right now are cleaning and making sure people maintain social distance and just keeping the order in the store, making sure we're not overloaded and stuff. But I'm reaching a point now where I'm getting argued with all the time Mm. and people saying it's a hoax Mm. and, uh, you know, it's just government trying to control people. That's the first question. What do you do about people like that? And the second question is, rather than just releasing Meng Wanzhou and saying, well, maybe China, why don't we do an actual trade and as part of the trade Meng Wanzhou was no longer allowed to come back into Canada and she loses all her assets at the same time yes we'll release her but this is the the, so Canada now has the upper hand they're going to get the Michaels back for sure rather than hoping that China will release her and she loses her assets and her ability to come back to Canada I mean okay Sharon I gotta cut you off because we've only got 30 seconds for an answer here Keith uh, can let's go well I mean people think it's a hoax I invite them to look at what's going on around the world in Brazil, in Mexico, India, the United States. People are dying at huge rates and being hospitalized and there are incubators like we've never seen before. So it's not a hoax, people. And when it comes to the the two Michaels and Menguanzhou, I've got my hands full dealing with keeping up with COVID-19 and pandemic and public health measures rather than turning my head to that. You want to know what's happening right now? Some good news, guys. We got some... (laughs) 
good news. It's so fun to be able to share something that that gives us a little light at the end of the tunnel, a little hope on the horizon, a little, little, little taste of something delicious, maybe some good, clean fun. I'm talking peony and playland. I'm not sure about you, but when I heard that the PE was going to be canceled in 2020 for all of the right reasons, for all of our safety, security, and well-being, my heart broke. Like you, we don't remember a time when the PE wasn't, you know, the peak of summer in British Columbia. Well, today is a very good day for those of us who love the Pacific National Exhibition and Playland. And to give us the good news, we welcome Shelley Frost, the president and CEO of the PE. Hi, Shelley. Hi, Jody. Thanks so much for having me. It is a good day. <laughs> oh, I got I literally have goosebumps, and not because I have a 12-year-old, but the 12-year-old inside <laughs> me. <laughs> I really I'm so excited. On the heels of the, the donut drive through that was so much fun and so great, and then this barbecue for, for Father's Day that happened last weekend, so successful, it's happening again this weekend. Uh, what else are we looking forward to? Uh, thanks for asking. You know, it, it, it started when you, we had to say out loud that the fair and Playland were not going to happen this year. And just like you said, it just it devastated us and it devastated, you know, our business partners and our team members and our extended family of supplies and concessionaires. So we started trying to look for ways to, to uh, just stay connected with those groups and help support those groups where we could. And mini donuts just turned into so much more than mini donuts. You know, yeah. talking with the cars that were going through, it was just the outpouring of support was overwhelming. And that really got the creative juices flowing. So, you know, just like you said, after Mini Donuts and the barbecue, uh, we are on July 1st. We're going to have a Canada Day, uh, Canada Day celebration. It's going to be what we call a reverse drive-through. So we're going to encourage families to uh, decorate their car, wear their red and white, uh, purchase a $10 ticket for a car load to come through the PE grounds. They'll be driving through and they'll be, they will be the parade and there'll be some entertainment and stuff on the sidelines, an opportunity to see some logger sports and you can pre-order some of your more fair time favorites, corn dogs and lemonade and cotton candy. Uh, so we're really excited about Canada today. It'll be the only live, really the only live parade event happening. Um, oh, wow. It'll look different, but it'll be fun. And well, different, we just, different can be great, though, especially during these crazy times, because we're trying to to explain to our children, even when faced with adversity, uh, the level of the negativity and the news cycle that we're getting from COVID-19, yeah, certainly yeah. on a global scale, we can celebrate in British Columbia because we are doing well. And, yeah. and in order to do that, we're going to do a parade, but we're going to do it in another way. You're going to get into the vehicle that is the yeah. parade. You know, and that's exactly the point. Like, let's bring some smiles. Let's do some fun. But let's make sure that we're yeah. healthy and safe. And, you know, we're going to we're going to pull out all the stops to make sure it remains healthy and safe. We were um, also thrilled to be able to say out loud um, that after some really great collaborative discussions with Vancouver Coastal Health on July 10th, we're going to be able to carefully and safely reopen Playland in phases. Um, that's huge for us. So it's, you know, we're not going to have thousands of staff, but we're going to be able to bring back hundreds. And, you know, we're going to start with 12 rides. Uh, we're going to provide you a really fun mask as part of your admission. And, you know, capacities will be lower and there'll be different COVID protocols on site. But we're so excited. I was up there this morning just seeing the rides moving and the teams coming back. And, you know, um, it just everybody out there working on the rides and getting things ready was just, um, it was heartwarming. And so full of hope. 
We will get to a normal, we will get to normal again. The Peony and Playland will be once again, what we have grown to know it and love it as. I'm just so thankful that you're able to do these small steps in a very safe way. Everything you're saying sounds like we're doing the right thing right down to a fun mask. You've really, you've really thought this through. (laughs) That's an understatement, Shelly, but you really have. Uh, Thanks, Jody. You know, there's, such a creative team here and you know I think that's just always something that we've been really proud of at the PE that you know we can get hit with some hard times and and you know being a seasonal weather dependent business you know things are definitely up and down sometimes but we've just got such an innovative creative and resilient team they have the mm-hmm. best ideas and they're willing to pull out all the stops and do whatever it takes to do it right I want to eat some more peony food is that wrong <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not at all. Uh, we've been doing whatever we can to try and help the concessionaires and exhibitors that have been devastated by this as well. So, you know, between um, mini donuts, barbecue, Canada Day, uh, we're going to do another drive through August, uh, August first or August long weekend BC Day uh, with yeah. some more fair favorites, and you'll get to come through and enjoy a few more of our concessionaires. Details more to come on that, and we're also just really excited to say we know we can't have the fair. But we've decided we're bringing back a drive through fair. So, you know, with all the proper safety precautions, uh, we're going to build on what we're doing for Canada Day. And we're going to have opportunities to see your favorites like super dogs and baby mm-hmm. animals and, you know, all that kind of fun stuff. And just, you know, do it from the health and safety of your vehicle. Uh, we'll be very careful about how we do it. But come out, enjoy your family, enjoy the sunshine, uh, you know, have some laughs. And let's take advantage of just like you said, the bright light on the horizon in BC. Ticketleader.ca. Can you explain that to our listeners so they know how to get involved in this? You bet. You can go to pne.ca or ticketleader.ca. Oh, okay. And if it's okay. easier to go through PE because it's something familiar, please do it that way. And what we'll do is that'll link you right into our ticketing system, which is Ticket Leader. And for Canada Day or, um, you know, the uh, Playland will be, you can go through and buy date specific and time specific tickets so we can control capacity. And uh, we're just, we're looking forward to seeing everybody again. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out by social or by calling us or by email. We'll do whatever we can to make it as easy as possible to bring a little fun back to summer and peony. Here, with the mini do- oh, there you are. We got you back. <laughs> You, you clicked out there. I, I was finishing oh, your sentence for you because I'm like, you can go to the peony.ca. But one of the things I love about the ticket leader, because I've been talking uh, with people and experiencing, obviously, the mini donuts. Hello. Yes, let's line up for <laughs> mini donuts. But people were in line for a significant amount of time. You addressed that for the barbecue, And my friends who were able to attend with the dads for yeah. the barbecue were like, we were in and out of there within an hour. We had beautiful barbecue. We had a little mac and cheese, awesome. some poutine. Then we drove to the Coliseum and saw the cars and it was just great. So when people are thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to be stuck in a lineup for, you know, epic weight. No, that's the brilliance yeah. of this. You're planning. Thanks, Jody. It. That's, that's a really great point. We, um, you know, what happened with mini donuts was overwhelmingly positive, mm-hmm. but we didn't anticipate, you know, the, the thousands and thousands and thousands of people who would come. So we learned from that and, you know, we've put some different processes in place. And so now you buy a time slot and we can control the capacity and the lineup and the experience in a much more positive way for the guest. And yes. that's just, that's really exciting too, because you don't want to come out and try and do something fun and then be frustrated. And, right. uh, and so we're just, we're going to try and do it better every time we do it. 
peony.ca for all the information i literally have had goosebumps in a good way through this entire <laughs> conversation thank you for uh, the positivity that you and your team are doing shelly it is much we appreciated really appreciate it jody and thank you so much for uh for having us on and letting us talk about some of the great things happening anytime we'll see, we'll see you on canada day